Hello and uh, welcome to the fourth and final edition of our podcast discussing the topic of pension scheme surpluses. My name is Ema Kelly and I'm a partner in the EY Pensions team. I'm delighted to be joined by Joseph Wren and Dan Naylor from Travis Smith and my fellow EY partner Karina Brooks. Now, each of these podcasts has looked at a different theme underlying the core issue of pension scheme surplus. So you'll recall in the first edition we discussed the general market landscape and why the issue of pension scheme surplus has become more prominent in recent times. In the second edition, we looked at pension schemes that are currently in deficit and paying contributions and what sort of forward-looking planning they might want to be considering. And then in the third edition, we discussed schemes in surplus where contributions have already ceased. So in this fourth and final edition, we're going to cover some of the issues that arise in a scenario which often crops up um, where you have a corporate sponsoring more than one defined benefit pension scheme. And in particular, the scenario where they all have disparate funding levels. So before I dive in, it's probably just worth reiterating that these podcasts are aimed at both sponsors and trustees, and they're intended to be focused on all the issues that are relevant to all the stakeholders. So Karina, maybe I could, um, I could start with you. So, you know, we often come across the situation in our work where there's multiple schemes um, sponsored by the one corporate. Um, I mean, what options are available to sponsors where they have one, say, underfunded scheme and then another scheme that's actually quite well funded and doesn't need a cash immediately? Okay, well, so there are a number of options, um, and some of them relate back, I guess, to some of the other sort of structures we've talked about. I suppose at the most fundamental level, you can look at merging two schemes. Um, there are some potential barriers to that around funding levels um, and what kind of uh, compensation or agreement you might need to make around the different funding levels. There are also issues with scheme rules, potentially. You might come back to that. Um, you can also look at sectionalised or segregated mergers of schemes, which perhaps get over some of those issues around funding. Also, um, we've talked um, in the second and third podcast around some of these structures that corporates and trustees might set up outside the scheme. Um, you could use a captive insurer or maybe even one of these sort of reservoir trusts or escrow accounts um, with, with assets and cash in it could be used again to try and rebalance that situation by a, by a sponsor, depending at the time at which they've sort of thought of setting up this structure. Yeah. So you mentioned, um, you know, scheme rule change, and that's an interesting one. I mean, Dan, maybe I could um, look at you and, and ask, you know, what, like, I, I mean, from a, for a non, from a non-pensions law point of view, you know, when, what's the barrier to changing the rules and, and when, when can you change the rules? Well, I mean, in, in, the, in the scenario in which you... Um, you mentioned there sort of one, one underfunded scheme and one better funded scheme, then, then clearly the, tr the way the trustees will, will likely to approach that. The first thing everyone always thinks about in a merger is you know, what, are, what are the respective funding levels and what's the, what, what's, the imp what's the funding level of the merged scheme. So clearly you've got one scheme that would seek to, seem to benefit from that improvement in funding level and, and another set of trustees who are thinking, well, what, what's in it for us because we're transferring into an underfunded scheme and we're using some of the assets of our scheme to improve the funding level typically for the benefit of the corporate, right, so they can pay less contributions, which is, which, which is a, a good reason to do it. Um, and typically trustees will, will want some sort of, you would think, some sort of uh, benefit improvement. So if you talk about that scheme, one scheme in surplus, they're, they're unlikely to be able to access that surplus absent some sort of corporate action, some decision taken to wind up the scheme and, and, and potentially some, some sort of decision under, under the winding up rule to allow money to be spent on benefits in that winding up scenario. So typically you'd see a conversation between the trustees of the transferring scheme and the corporate along the lines of, well, if we agree to transfer 
and improve the funding level of the receiving scheme, we would want some sort of immediate benefit for our members. So that, that's typically the conversation that, that would happen. The, 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 other, the other question you asked is about, is about changing the rules of, of the scheme around potentially around surplus. This is something we touched on in one of the other podcasts. And, and obviously, once you've already got a surplus, it's a very difficult thing for, for trustees to agree to change the rules. Now, there will just be some surplus rules that can't be amended. The amendment power then itself will include a restriction on changing the surplus rule. But if there isn't that sort of restriction in there, then I don't think there is a barrier to, to properly advise trustees agreeing um, to, to, to amend a surplus rule to, to potentially remove the ability to augment benefits if there is a surplus on winding up. And trustees might want to do that in a scenario where they would see that as being a, a barrier or, or, or a, a barrier to, to, to the corporate feeling comfortable to put the money into the scheme that the trustees would want in there. So it's, it's, it's not going to be a conversation that lots of trustees and sponsors have, but, but if that is something that's genuinely um, a, 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 thing, a factor in the corporate's mind in not putting money into a pension scheme, then it seems to me as though trustees could properly consider it, and there might be circumstances it would, it would be appropriate for them to agree to that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just kind of then, I suppose, going back to the corporate and, and sort of their sort of maybe reticence to put cash in if they think it's going to get spent on, um, you know, augmentations and stuff like that. You know, are there scenarios where, you know, where a scheme has no immediate cash need that, you know, there can be a contribution holiday or a transfer to another DBDC scheme? I think, I think, well, I think, I think clearly that there, there, there will be scenarios like that. I think the other thing we're expecting to see increasingly is um, is scenarios where corporates are looking at schemes that have, have a surplus in, in them already. So it's, it's in that scenario, we've got a scheme of a surplus and a scheme that's underfunded, but potentially looking to use schemes in surplus on a funding basis, potentially even schemes, I guess, in, in surplus on, on a buyout basis, um, as, as a way of applying that value to, to fund future service benefits. So we're seeing quite a lot of that in the marketplace, looking to add in DC sections into DB schemes. You know, so we've these things are cyclical, aren't they? You know, we see a whole load of people put DC sections into DB schemes, made these hybrid schemes, transferred all the DC benefits out to master trusts. Now they've got surpluses, they're trying to put DC benefits back into schemes. So we're seeing a lot of that sort of thing at the moment. Um, and, and, and there will be circumstances in which trustees can properly advise, consider all the right things and, and agree to that sort of thing. Um, but again, you know, if, if you're using money that's already in the pension scheme for um, to, to fund some sort of future service benefit on a different basis, again, covenant's going to be key. As, as always. Yeah, as I think, it, you know, for, for both sets of schemes, both schemes, if you're looking at different schemes in the group, one less well-funded and one, there might be seen to be an immediate covenant benefit, I guess, to the scheme that's less well-funded, but the scheme that's more well-funded, you're going to need to make sure you've got that absolutely secure covenant underpin that, that's allowing you to take those different decisions, potentially, or run the scheme on for longer, not buy the benefits uh, out immediately and so on so that can be a really important factor and we've talked about some of those different covenant options in in other um elements of the podcast and in know. relation to that, that scenario where you yeah. know you're looking to give an incentive to the transferring trustees very often that incentive takes the form of some sort of sort of short-term improvement in benefits maybe some sort of cost you know in the current climate yeah. some sort of cost of living increase um ad additional cost of living increase which always involves that interesting sort of um sort of payoff between sort of security for, for accrued benefits and, and a little bit of extra benefit now and that's, I think there's quite a lot of conversations that will happen around surplus that involve effectively that same sort of um, same decision. Yeah absolutely and actually just on that cost of living point you know are, are you seeing or are we seeing many um, scenarios where there is um, requests for discretionary benefit augmentations in the light of you know the cost of living crisis and, and the inflationary pressures people are under and pensioners in particular? 
seen lots of requests. I've not seen I've not seen many <laughs> many responses saying yes um, for, from from a core perspective. Obviously, rule, all rules are different. Um, you know, there might be some schemes out there where trustees have got unilateral discretion. I think a bit quite un unusual. Typically, um, what we're seeing is 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 trustees approaching approaching um, corporates and saying, you know, we've we've had requests from members, uh, or or there's a feature built into pension scheme rules. It's not unusual for a pension scheme increase rule to require the trustees to tell the employer if inflation's running ahead of any cap that applies on the pension increases. And in that sort of scenario, sort of lots of I have seen sort of requests from trustees to corporates saying, please, please, can we um, you know, would you like us to spend some 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 surplus on a funding basis on some discretionary increases? Uh, I haven't seen corporates um, take it's up. It's a tricky that one, isn't yet. it? Because yeah. obviously, quite often they're not paying their existing workforce, who may not be members, in fact, of the defined yeah. benefit scheme, a, a pay increase. That's yeah. I, and I think we have to be really mindful of that, don't we, in the current yeah. environment. This is very difficult for a lot of a lot of sponsors. We have very high um, energy costs. We've got very high inflation. We've got interest rates which are high and there's, there's there's a lot of headwinds on the on the sponsor side so i think a lot of these questions as well have have you know an almost commercial and political element to it as well about actually what does this look like in the context of the whole business and the whole group overall and all of its different stakeholders absolutely and that almost feels like it could be a podcast in itself uh, <laughs> for so, next time so uh Thank you, uh, Karina, Joe, and uh, Dan. Um, so that rounds up this uh, podcast series. Um, certainly a lot of things to think about. Um, and, you know, I think what I would say is each situation is unique with its own particular fact pattern with, um, you know, different issues to be worked through. Um, we hope that those listening have found this useful. And uh, thank you. Thank you for, your, uh, for listening. If anybody has any feedback or would like to discuss any of the issues raised, then uh, please do reach out to uh, one of myself, Karina, Joe or Dan. <laughs>